Hello and welcome to Witness Performance Interviews. I'm here with the incredible choreo... Well, what is it? You know, a, um, a dramaturg, director, choreographer, operatic, you know, <laughs> extraordinaire. I don't know. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. Um, Damn it with these labels. Daniel Susser, who has been working as a practitioner with many different companies, but also with the Daniel Susser Ensemble for a number of years. And we're going to have a little, little chat hand about the development of work. And given that Daniel works in different types of performance, you know, from, from theatre from to operatic performance to installation performance as well, which is, um, you know, obviously connected, but different. Yeah. So we'll just start kind of there. The first question... I will post you now. The first provocation is when you are working with a text as you enter the rehearsal space to start developing work, how do you see it? And I guess like, you know, I think provocation here is like a lot of people see it as the thing itself. That's what you're making. Mm. But what is your attitude towards that? Yeah. And um, is it consistent? <laughs> would, be the, <laughs> would be the follow-up question. Mm. Labels, labels, labels. I... Um, how would I skin that cat right now? I think the the first point of call is to just talk about the difference between a, a, a work of literature or a written word and mm. a, a performed word. Um, and, you know, you, you could spend, we could spend a, a great deal of time um, just examining that transfiguration mm, and, and, mm. and the embodiment and the incorporation, literally, the, the way that those words go into a body and then come mm. back out again, as sort of a, 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 a starting point, a springboard of the idea of why it, there should be, or in my, mm. my practice, there is a, a, a great deal of flexibility about how you might approach some written text. But I think, I mean, yeah, as I say, there's lots of answers, but mm. one of the mm. main ones for me is to do with intensity. And I think we we have these moments of of reading. I think reading a novel as a analogy is really good. Um, you as a reader control rhythm. You control to a degree the space you're in when you're mm. reading, and you control the level of attention you give to different details. So, if something strikes you with a particular intensity, connects with you personally or philosophically, or whatever, it doesn't matter. Mm. It's, um, you can, can kind of dwell with it. You can do all kinds of things with that. You can mm. jot it down. You can come back to it. You can put the book down and go and have a walk, you know, all these sorts of ways in which you actually put that into your body as well mm. as, as as let it sort of breathe in you. And I just think when I read a play, um, for example, I haven't worked with a play text for quite a while, but when mm. I do read a play, um, as a reader, I'm often finding one or two moments uh, in, in a in a text where really that sort of intensity hits me, mm. and so part of my job or my self-proclaimed profession or job <laughs> is to find a way to hold that intensity and to translate it. And you know, part of this sort of I think we have a blind spot in theatre where um, we don't really notice sometimes that the sheer quantity of words kind of dilutes the possibility of these these sort of spikes of experience mm. that a theatre priest can give you. And that's part of my interest. I mean, you can do it in different ways. Keeping all the words and being very respectful is mm. is quite possible. I don't reject no, it. No, but, no. Um, 
But there is something where, um, and also I make a big fetish uh, about the fact that I'm a bad reader in, in many ways. Mm. I, I forget things very easily. Mm, mm. Um, I famously lost a piece of script under the seating rostra during a rehearsal process and didn't notice. Uh, it was only 15 pages long too, so it was a sizable chunk, um, but didn't notice until bump out that it was oh lying gosh. there. And, uh, and to, you know, two things, I think, come out of that. One was which actually my response to that particular content was on the stage, mm. regardless of the fact that the actual words weren't there. Um, and and secondly, you know, I don't I don't think we we lost any sleep over the fact that like mm, nobody really. Mm. It's lots of plays do aspire simultaneously to be literature, mm. um, and mm, that's fine mm, as well. Mm. But when you come to the actual business of making a, a performance work or an installation or any kind of um, a outcome that involves a spectator, um, I think that's where it, the responsibility to a- allow everything to. Um, serve those moments or to you know to, to to sort of support or or guide an audience uh, or translate in a way that is accessible or, or not mm. infuriatingly inaccessible is often leveled at me yeah. um, but ways of it's all about that isn't it it's like mm, mm. to the extent in which when you i think every director in 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 all forms would would say there's this sort of resonant moment when you choose to do mm. something something resonates mm. and it's not 300 you know, it's not thirty thousand words that resonate. It's mm. something. It's an image. It's a, mm. uh, yeah, a, a, the strength of a metaphor, or um, and it can be even sillier than that. You know, mm. the, the sometimes when you um, when we get taken by a, a, a protagonist with a particular flair, and it might be language based, a charisma, if you like, then mm. then that's what you're holding on to. But I think what I do that's radical compared to sort of, I don't know, I'm just going to say well-trained theatre directors. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I consider myself quite well-trained, but you know what I mean. I do. I do. Um, people who are... The kind of formalised uh, kind of yeah, treatment I, I, of the text. I think I privilege it above all else. Like, mm. I think that's that's the starting yeah, point. Yeah. Um, and so often uh, the people that work with me, performers, designers, um, I, I really, I'm very... Uh, open-minded as to how people want to approach their work mm. um they can be study nerds and read everything and uh, you know around it mm. and about it and 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 memorize the thing if that's what turns them on um if there's absolutely they want me to guide what they're doing mm. i will often do the same with them i'll present them with a visual image mm. this is the core somehow it speaks to us in levels that maybe aren't necessarily um you know uh, intellectual Maybe it's a felt, you know, a felt idea that a picture summons, or um, mm. maybe it's an, a sort of a, um, an autobiographical observation that has allowed me to make a connection that I'm just sort of putting in front of people and saying, okay, now you can go anywhere with that. Mm. It, um, it's more important that you are um, uh, activated and and engaged by a central idea than that you have some sense of being. You know, all these ideas are being right, mm. um, and and I mean that's uh, yeah. You stop me if I'm going on, but it's no. Like, I think I think it's well. What, what mm. I think what I want to pick up on here is something that I wanted to ask you, which is like it dovetails in nicely with this idea of you're you're being led by your collaborators as much as you're leading them. You know, in that in that process, yes. and I know that you know, I think every collaborative theatre space has a degree of impro- improvisation and and. Um, of openness to these, these kind of discussions, mm. um, and I, I suppose, like you know, I think the, the the point I'm kind of like I want I want to like focus on here is like how much how much are you led by those improvisations, and how much are you led by the other people in the room? Mm. 
um, through those kind of processes? Like, what? How much? How do you? How do you see it as altering your vision? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, um, it's the kind of question where you might get a bunch of different answers depending on who you speak to. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is a genuinely open question that I ask. That, mm. That's that's for sure, and. Um, I avoid words like complicity, which was very fashionable when I started. Um, you know, this sort of idea that you have to have a shared language, you have to all know what you're trying to make, you have to be, um, you know, somehow united in purpose. I, I've I've never found that to be true. Um, if you're united in, uh, you know, it sounds really simple, but if you are an uh, an autonomous artist in a space with a bunch of other autonomous artists, uh, you are united. Of course mm, you are. You're, mm. going, you're coming to an outcome or there's something that, that binds you or maybe it is me to some degree, but mm. um, it's completely uninteresting to me to have people serving mm. my dominant idea mm. or the dominant idea of the writer particularly. It's, mm. not, it's just never been a particular interest of mine. I think... Um, you know, you got stuck with the labels earlier, like, uh, and I often get stuck with labels. Um, and part of that is because uh, I, I feel like this sort of hierarchy of, of making is has just never been relevant. I mean, it's mm, just sort of this unfortunate mm. thing that I managed to call my group the Daniel Schlusser Ensemble. It sounds like, that's, you know, sort of it's just an extension of my super ego. And I'm like, ah! Um, but I, I guess the way of working is something that I do own as, as a sort of a, a methodology that I've, I've spent a long time figuring out. Um, but mm. within that methodology, yeah, there is absolute license. And I think mm. performers particularly find this tricky to grasp if they're not used to it. Mm. Um it takes quite a while to, to for someone to realise they are f- the extent to which they're free mm, mm, in the mm, room, mm. Um, and the extent to which you know I'm I'm as interested in as they are in protecting those things about them as artists um, that are hard to protect sometimes, particularly in the rehearsal process. You know, so mm. an actor's instincts, an actor's mm-hmm. Um, mm. I- uh, impulses, you know, randomness. Um, sense of humour, you know, all these mm. sorts of things that are make them what they are as artists in the world is something that I'm trying to bring into the room without kind of um, chopping them off at the knees or mm. sort of saying, no, no, we have to do this thing, um, you know. And then on the other side of the spectrum, um, I can't honestly say uh, with any real clarity what how pieces are assembled except that it is deeply personal to me. Mm. Um, so mm. it's the sort of other, it's the opposite end of that is yeah. that unless I'm feeling this, um, like I say, this sort of autobiographical connection with mm. the work and this, the things like truth, we don't examine that word too much, but <laughs> it's something about resonance again. It's something mm. about a feeling. It's something about seeing something and recognising it as mm. the right thing. Um, that yeah, that's, that's sort of like I say. That's the that's the maybe that is the glue. Um, mm. But also, I feel like one of my favourite things is is um, is when a group of people end up making something that nobody knew, mm. myself included, mm. what it that th- that's what we would oh that's yeah. what we were doing <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and so like in a way, you know, the sub- subconscious intuition as a group yes, that kind of forms right. and then guides the development. 
Yes, yeah. and 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 embo- embolden everyone to work with that mm. same sort of thing, and not mm. need to be. I'm hyper uh, verbal, you know, and mm. and people get intimidated by people who can talk quickly, and mm. I get that. Um, but I do a lot of work to try and make that meaningless. It doesn't mean anything how well a director yeah. can articulate yes. themes. Yes, it doesn't so help true. an actor. I don't think. Well, it doesn't get any closer to truth. I mean, just the, kind of right. the ability to to articulate yourself in a particular way speaks to your upbringing That's and right. you know yes. education, but it doesn't speak to truth. And it can do something to a room in terms of relaxing everyone. Oh, mm. thank heaven, he knows what he's talking about. But <laughs> actually, in terms of what the art is, at the end of the day, it doesn't mm. make a difference if you can say it or not in words. Mm. This is not what mm. we're using words for here. No. This yes. is a theatre. And that's, that's, maybe that's the, 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 f- the first answer that should have been given. No, I, I think this is really interesting. The, th- the point I really want to, there's something you mentioned just before I really want to drill into, which is this thing you say, oh, I haven't worked with text in, I haven't mm. worked with text or scripts in ages. Mm. What's informing that decision, I suppose, for you, like to, to move away from having that kind of structure to begin with? Yeah, I, I mean, it, uh, plays is what I mean. Plays, um, I say, and I And I... And I don't do that with any sense of uh, categorical kind of rejection or anything. No, I'm no, really no. interested in plays. I still work as a dramaturg on other people's works, and um, mm. I mm. love the form. And I think playwrights are, are marvelous. And I, I actually, re- you know, just at the start of this year, have started thinking, okay, when will I next tackle mm. something that is mm. more formed um, mm. as a theatrical text? So let me just put that straight. No, also, of course, sorry. Te- no, 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 no. <laughs> it's it's hard for me to keep it in my head, let alone anyone else. <laughs> but also, the last thing I actually made was quite a, kind of uh, very literary in a sense. Mm. It, was a, it was an adaptation of a book, um, and in many ways, it it sort of. Uh, uh, I want to use the word cleave. It was bound to the source very tightly, mm. and people were actually quite surprised. And some people, mm. some younger makers who I think were fans, our fans were disappointed even that it wasn't a sort of radical yeah. explosion. Um, that was, um, sorry, just to make They Divided the Sky yes, in yes, Sydney. Yes, yes, um, yes. It was actually sort of something about my love for that book mm. and the way it had come to me um, via, uh, you know, just just individual stories, the way that it, mm. that book had come into my possession, who had recommended mm. it, and my own journey as a theatre maker and the sorts of people that I've been connecting with as an artist. It sort of combined to make it something that I was... Um, I really was um, in a sort of nurturing relationship with mm. with 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 Crystal Wolf's words in some degree. Um, mm. I mean, whether or not you consider it f- faithful is is disputable, but mm. but nevertheless much closer to a source than say M plus M, where people you know whether or not someone had read the book was kind of <laughs> completely <laughs> irrelevant by the time we yeah. got onto the stage. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I think also I just wanted to kind of like. So, like slightly, just this thing about yes. when you're talking about not working with scripts and you know and plays. Mm. I, what is, I, I think the important thing is that it's, it's not a rejection of, but an addition to. You know, I think that's a real thing that people can kind of get wrapped up in this idea that you know, or you don't want to work with that. That means that you're rejecting that Absolutely. as a concept. No, no, I think. Uh, this, this is about the diversity in every, in every sense of the word. Yes. Where just because you're working with one thing at this moment, which hasn't been kind of, especially hasn't been kind of considered in this kind of space before, isn't yes. a rejection of what's there now, but actually kind of an opening up of like, well, we can also do this. Um, that's right. That's right. And I think that's kind of really important to remember when we kind of talk about things like that, when you talk about yeah. like working with different types of text yeah. or talking about not coming in with uh, a play or another, a set structure like that, um, yes. is that 
of course there are times when it's really appropriate and important to have that kind of structure to work from yes. but it's one structure that's possible among many and yes. i think that's what i really really appreciate about because then it opens up the possibility for those kind of conversations yes. i think which is like obviously a really key to you, how you how you develop yeah. your work yeah i think that's absolutely spot on and i think um i mean i, I the way I, the the phrase white bread as an insult came to me recently you know there's this sort of yes ruder people than me would say it's mm. a it's a you know it's a it's a very um you know our dominant theater culture is very white bread mm, mm, um mm. and that is a valid criticism i absolutely would probably agree with that and take it even further but what you're saying and what i agree what i what i think you're saying is that you know it also takes skill and it is also deeply enjoyable that you know that kind of theatre mm, at, mm. at times and and yeah. and different scripts and different performances. Like I'm I'm absolutely one for watching, you know, a, a, a performance that is held by mm, a, mm. A, a a beautifully written play mm, um, mm. and admiring all of that and and it it can move me and it can do all those sorts of things. But it's not if it's the only thing you're mm, eating. It's, yes. It's horrifically uh, dangerous to your system, <laughs> and I, no, just, yeah. I, I just imagine a sort of you know utopia where we we can experience all kinds of iterations of what we call theatre mm. on the stages, particularly in this country. Yeah. Um, you know, and and <laughs> I, um, yeah. and people aren't. Uh, you, I mean, generationally, we always worry for the future, I guess, but. Um, you know the the interesting people that are still working in theatre as their mm. form as their chosen mm. form. I find the, the younger generation or the new the next wave. I kind of just I, I sort of close my hands in prayer and say, mm. oh well, I'm, I'm just so grateful you think there's still some potential here. We've just had a massive upset in the live performance space, which of course is last year and current the current epidemic. Um, and we're now opening up again. We're now going going back to that. And it's been, in a sense, I've, the people I've spoken to who are working, there's a number of different attitudes. One of the attitudes being it's a, it's a possibility for a reset and, and they're looking at it again, but there's also the possibility that things start to be more scarce again. But, I mean, I also want to ask about how you're feeling about moving back into that this space now, given this this this, this break in kind of life. Oh, <laughs> well, is it is it is it is it passing? Is it something permanent? Mm. I think mm. I mean, COVID is has been a, a kind of X-ray machine. It hasn't mm. changed what we do. It's mm. just showed us much more clearly what the structures are, and mm. um, and for many of us, um, you know, even even people with a very clear understanding of what the deficiencies of the structure are is mm. like it's been kind of useful in that sense it's um uh, i was talking to apparently um uh by way of comparison the participation of children in organized sport is uh, mm. an all-time low right now mm. and there i mean there could be a bunch of reasons for that but the speculation was that those parents particularly you know the the, the prime caregiver has been made aware of how much labor, how much unpaid labor they're doing in mm, relation to family, mm. and you know, taking a kid to three different sporting clubs mm. over the course of you know mm. an early mornings on a Saturday or whatever, it becomes suddenly becomes somehow questionable. Mm. Um, and I think it's really healthy that people are questioning that kind of yes. um, unpaid productivity. And in the th art sense, I think that's absolutely my first response: is that mm. we are all, I think. 
really at our sort of end of the tether um, and it's because we're strung out, mm. we're all, everyone is, um, mm. uh, but it's also because the priorities became really visible. Um, buildings mm. are clearly more important than people. <sighs> yeah. Um, yeah. 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 You know, the potential litigation of somebody, you know, in a space is absolutely the highest priority. Maybe it does have to be, but um, the way in which the rest of us are insured against that is is negligent. So negligible, mm. sorry. So it's... Once again, I mean, those performers, you know, the people that I, um, you know, I'm close enough to talk with, mm. um, they've always known this mm. sort of structural inequity, but mm. it's become, as I say, it's x-rayed that problem. Yeah. And the fact that we are wearing economically the cost of the anxiety um, is yeah. very, very clear. Yeah. And I think, I mean, and I hope that the... As we emerge, there is an adjustment that that uh, quite a profound adjustment to mm. how we treat ourselves. Mm. Um, uh, I think the, the the twin curses of of, of unpaid labour and and the idea of um, you know the, the idea that artists are hyper productive by nature yeah, somehow yeah. that that's just the way we're built. <laughs> um, they're so both so deeply deeply unhealthy and, yeah. and 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 like I say, this is not a new observation. It's just um, newly strong in the mind. Mm, um, mm. As to the whole idea of live art and like people gathering in spaces and all this sort of yeah. stuff, I find that really fascinating. I, um, some There was a futurist just casually saying, oh, you know, in the future there will be no more major sporting events in, <laughs> you know, and theatre as a form won't exist. Oh. We won't be gathering in groups of <laughs> a thousand people in theatres to watch things. And, and it was sort of like the blitheness because it wasn't an artist talking. Mm, it was mm. a researcher, <laughs> a, a social researcher. was sort of chilling to listen to. I was like, wow, oh, do wow. I really believe that? I don't think so. At the end of the day, I think that the... Um, you know, theatres constantly had to defend itself to yeah. to articulate the the liveness as being its core proposition, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and it will continue to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and we've seen already some amazing responses in terms of um, physical spaces and how people are managing them, but also. I mean, the digital realm got a bit fatiguing. I'll I'll, I'll admit yeah, that, yeah, um, yeah. but. There was some really great work done, and some was, connections yeah. were made that were not visible uh, pre-pandemic, and and a willingness to cross borders in a way that um, you know it's the irony that they were physically possible before, and as soon as they yeah. ceased being physically possible, we then went out of our way to make sure yeah. we stay connected, yeah. and th th those things are really optimistic. I think. No, I think so. I think that's a really good view of that. I think one thing. And this is kind of connects to a question I really want to ask you. Mm. One thing that live being there present with performers, mm. no matter what the outcome is, mm. be it installation, operatic, or choreography, or or, or theatre, yep. with a capital T, yep. um, is duration, the sense mm. of duration. I feel like you have much less flexibility and audiences have less patience, as a word, maybe not the best word, mm. Mm. for ambiguity and sitting with something mm. when it's on a screen mm -hmm. and non-live versus in person. Mm -hmm. Provocation, thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> um, I won't say anything conclusive. Mm. Uh, it's impossible. Uh, I am often interested in stretching those moments 
um, stretching an audience's ability in real time, um, reframing how people respond, what their expectations are, um, sometimes um, almost with a kind of uh, sadistic glee, um, <laughs> you know, uh, which is to, you know, it's, it's masochistic as, as well. It's mm, not, it's not mm, just one mm. way. Um, I think that the 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 recognition that we um, don't take those times out very often is mm. part of the part of the equation for me. Mm. I think the you've just sat down in a theatre and really you want it to be just as hectic as everything else in your life. Mm. Surely not. Mm. Or, or similarly, um, I mean, the success of um, you know installation works. Uh, speak to people's hunger for a mm. more maybe where their their sovereignty is given a bit m- more room to express itself in relation to what they're watching. Mm. Um, it's again it goes back to that old uh, canard about the, the difference between screen and live and and how passive. Um, and I I yeah I think I mean I continue to be interested in it. Um, but I guess my extremes are more stretched. Um, mm. Just on a feeling level, I feel like um, making something really, really tidy and kind of precise is just... It's its like the, the beautiful um, book of essays by Calvino. Um, was it Calvino? The, the, who sort of divides the, I guess, their um, aesthetic categories um, of possibility... Um, mm. And 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 partly it's just a, a, a just relish this possibility that you do you don't just prioritise the the sort of adrenal thrill of a well paced thriller you you mm. also you, you talk about you know c- calmness and um, uh, and laughter even when you're dealing with tragic things or vice versa or you know always looking for sort of ways in which that experience can be. I guess, um, and I don't want to say it's it's about it's about seeing life, a sort of artistic thing that lives in a way that brings you out into your own life or the real world, so to speak, sort of n- newly alive to possibilities, newly sensitised, mm. and and excuse me, I think I banged my mic. Um, <laughs> That'll sensitise you, <laughs> um, but that that you know that that if that's a primary task or or a primary joy that people the reason people see art and it, it that becomes really crucial to the idea of time based work mm. um, that we uh, the, you know it's I guess it's similar to what we were saying. I'm sounding terribly balanced this morning. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with a 90-minute piece of theatre. Um, let's be frank. Some of us get to the term. I can go, come on, could you wrap it up? But um, by the same token, you know, there's nothing to say that this experience should be X amount of time or mm, that the engagements mm. on stage need to have a certain tension even. Um, mm, in fact, mm. I'm really interested in what happens, you know, and I think that's partly a craft issue. I think once you get to a level of craft, it's sort of mm. quite early on. It's not like a hyper mastery mm. or something, but you do get to a level where you go, okay, now we can control rhythm. Mm, now we can, mm. it, it can be zippy, it can mm. be fun, it could, there can be tension between performers or movers or whatever, or the, the visual and the, the herd and things like the sound design stuff that's been mm. probably most sophisticated 
better aspect of what I've been doing in some ways, mm. working with sound design. But you get to that point where you kind of realize, okay, now we've got, uh, now we can make this exciting whenever we mm. want to, yeah. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Um, and, and I think just that begs the question immediately, okay, great. Now, w- w- can we go the other direction? How yeah. far can we go? Um, yeah. And yeah. That, that, I'm really, um, this is partly why I have trouble talking um, in an interview situation because mm. I feel like um, every time I get to a, a work, I'm sort of articulate at that moment. Like <laughs> when it's realised and I can look at it and go, yes, mm. it's saying all these things, it's doing it in this way. Mm. But then even, you know, weeks later, I'll be back at... Like, seriously, the first mm. first principles, I mean, I've just started a project mm. and instead of starting at this, you know, this is the material and this is how we'll, you know, let's go this way, it's gone back to, oh, here's, a, here's an image. Um, gosh, if you put a bit of red text underneath it, geez, that changes things. Oh, mm. I don't know. Should we take it away again? Mm. <laughs> you know, like, we're yeah, really like yeah. going, oh. But that's why I think it's interesting <laughs> to talk now. Yes, absolutely. Because sure, I think, sure. like, it, it's it's often often when we do talk about work, it's when we're promoting something That's right. that we've done. Um, and yeah, I think yeah. there's real value to that that space that's in between outputs. Hmm. And I think that's actually where a lot of oh. the really important work is actually done. Yeah, sure, that's a relief. I think I think um, I think we hit on some really gorgeous points there, and. I think it's a really nice place to land. Thanks so much for listening. This has been Witness Performance Interview. I've been your host, uh, Ben Keane. I've been with Daniel Schlusser. 